0: good evening everyone and welcome back to the Bundesliga league show brought to you by over the bar sorry we're a couple minutes late it's very rare that me and mark are ever late so <laughs> we'll, we hope that you uh, let us off hope everyone's doing well uh we're really excited to be back on monday again for another show uh reviewing match day 20 uh, obviously we've got a good talking point uh, to go through we've got a brilliant guests that we're going to be bringing into the show in a minute and, uh, uh, and we'll remind you about the uh, the giveaway is currently running i'm sporting what you could win so uh, yeah we'll do you a reminder about that as well um hope everyone's well if you're watching on uh, on twitter if you catch us there make sure you pop over onto youtube and get us uh, you know throw some questions at us, uh, especially for our guests um, so I hope you enjoy the show. Um, of course, we are in partnership with Bundesliga Boxes. Uh, and like I said, we are running a giveaway thanks to the contribution of Bundesliga Boxes. So Richard, thank you very much for sorting us out with that. Um, it's a brilliant giveaway. We've got a home and away set of, of scarves to win. We'll kind of go into it a little bit more detail in a little bit. Uh, all the details are on the over the bar Twitter to enter go check that out uh, and then hopefully uh, you'll have a brilliant chance to win. Um, so before we bring in our guest and we introduce her, uh, Mark do you want to just quickly go through the scores on the doors from the weekend and then we'll crack on with the show. Yeah
1: for sure so as usual as you can see at the bottom of your screens you can see we started off on Friday night with a brilliant 2-0 win for what was previously struggling Bielefeld but yeah I wouldn't say they're struggling anymore really you know? great 2-0 win in Frankfurt. Leverkusen continued their good form since the Ruckrunder started with a 5-1 win over struggling Augsburg. Union Berlin continued their Champions League form with a brilliant 2-1 win in Gladbach. Daniel Rory's boys beaten again. They still haven't scored a goal since the start of the second half of the season. 2-0 defeat for Stuttgart in Freiburg. Then, yeah, we had a brilliant game, as predicted, really, between Hoffenheim and Dortmund. Ended up in a 3-2 win for the away side. Greuter Furt, you know, my my old rivals, Nuremberg's big rivals, winning 2-1 over Mainz for only their second win of the season. So, fair play to them. Yeah, Bochum and Cologne ended in a really, really entertaining 2 all draw on Saturday evening. Then moving on to the Sunday games, Leipzig getting another win over a really badly struggling Wolfsburg, you know, like they, they just can't buy a win the away side, can they? And then, yeah, I guess rather predictably, really, in the last game of the weekend, Bayern Munich schooled Hertha Berlin 4-1 in the Olympiastadion.
0: Yeah, very true. So let's uh, let's. Kind of move on and, and go on to our featured four but of course before we do so we've got ourselves a new guest uh for the show this evening so very excited to introduce her um her name is um marie and she marie schultz balkum and marie is the creator of uh, marie's bundesliga minutes which is a video podcast which serves up some brilliant bundesliga transfer news football culture football finance and player analysis um, you can find uh, Marie uh, and Marie's minutes on Twitter, um, which we'll describe to you in a moment. Uh, Marie used to work in Germany for uh, for focus online as a sports reporter and is now currently uh, residing in the US uh, where she has very kindly joined us for a bit of a, a bit of a chat. Uh, she's now currently working for Forbes as a sports contributor so we're very lucky to have her on the show so let's bring her in. Servus. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Servus, moin. Hi, uh, Rory and Mark. So pleased to be here. And um, yeah, can't wait to discuss the Bundesliga.
0: Brilliant stuff. Yeah. You're doing well then, Marie. It's uh, about three o'clock uh, over in the US at the moment. You ha- you're having a good start to your week. You had a good uh, good weekend, enjoying some Bundesliga action.
2: Yeah, um, you know, the games are usually in the morning here. I'm in New York, so most of the games kick off at 9.30 a.m. So it's always a good way to start the day with some cappuccino and Bundesliga. And uh, <laughs> no, it was, um, yeah, it's really cold here right now. We have a lot of snow. So it's it's nice to be inside sometimes and be entertained.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, we're going to obviously crack on with our featured four section. So for anyone that is new watching the show, we, we just go in reverse order from four to one of the the top four uh, most entertaining games of the Bundesliga weekend so obviously it's usually a very hard choice for us um, but obviously we'll start with fourth place over to you Mark what what have we got in fourth place this weekend?
1: Yeah so let's start off with that brilliant Friday night game I think both me and Rory both tipped a pretty comfortable win for the home side in this one didn't we on our Thursday night predictions but it, anything but uh, went ahead really I mean what a win this was for Bielefeld you know I mean obviously the two goals came really really early on in the game And I think Patrick Vimmer was the man really that we need to talk about in this game I mean what a performance from him he's a fantasy football hero as well like he wins like tons of points every single weekend this guy you know stick him in your teams if you're interested but yeah Marie did you catch this game and if so what did you think of it?
2: Yeah I think it was hard to miss this game obviously um It's not, you know, a complete creme de la creme master meal that you would necessarily watch voluntarily live on a Friday night. (laughs) But (laughs) as soon as there was the um, gorgeous assist by Patrick Wimmer, I think everyone tuned in and um, caught caught the, you know, the masterclass there. And it's like you guys said, you know, Frankfurt has been in such good form lately. Um, Mm -hmm. They were playing at home, everything, was set for like a comfortable home win, but you know Bielefeld had um, something you know to say in this game. So it was it was really fun, and I think you know it's it's one thing having the skill to in Germany we call it a rabona. Um yeah, yeah. You know, it's named for a Maradona, and maybe it's the same in English. But it's yeah. one thing to pull that off in training, but it's another thing to have the guts to do that you know, in a Bundesliga match, and especially when you're that young. And yeah. um, thank God he did, because um, that was delightful to watch.
0: Yeah, it was really impressive performance from Bielefeld from front to back, uh, obviously. Before we talk about the Bielefeld team in general, with regards to the match itself, you know, settled on games are settled on big points and then turning points. No more so than uh, a couple of big saves from Ortega, as per usual, in the Bielefeld net. I think he made one really good one from Boré in the first half. And then, um, you know, it, the one, the save at the end, um, when has it gone into injury time, where the game is pretty much gone. But Boré's through on guys, basically got the whole net to shoot at. And Ortega still says, no, you're you're not scoring this evening. Amazing save. Maybe re- reminded me of the Peter Schmeichel, now Casper Schmeichel, kind of star technique where he just makes himself as big as possible, and he managed to knock it over the bar. I, I mean, Marie, do you think you know the Ortega is, is you know he has got to be regarded as a top top three probably keeper in the Bundesliga this season uh, at, at the moment, and then the performance you know from a rigid back four from Bielefeld.
2: Yeah, I think it's tough with goalkeepers because. You know, the, the best goalkeepers in the world typically get signed by the best teams in the world, so they're not tested on every weekend. Um, so especially in our age of statistical analysis, I think just because, for example, someone like Manuel Neuer um, doesn't perform very well you know, within the Bundesliga on shots stopped per game or something mm-hmm. doesn't mean he's not as good as someone like Ortega. It just mm-hmm. means that he plays for a team that doesn't even allow shots to be taken at his goal Um, so I I do think and then you know for anyone who's ever played football like us included there's also the the concentration aspect of being a goalkeeper Mm -hmm. where yeah it's easier sometimes to perform well if you're tested you know once every 10 minutes rather than if everything is happening like 50 meters in front of you Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I think Ortega has definitely, you know, this has been an absolute standout season for him, but I would be cautious in naming him in like the top three or four goalkeepers in Germany. I think there are others ahead. So from the top of my mind, um, I think over many years, Jan Sommer has demonstrated that he's up there. One of the best shot stoppers in Mm -hmm. Europe. We saw that at the Euros last summer as well, where it was like for the whole continent to see. And then Gulashi, you know, really consistent for Leipzig okay. over many years. Of course, Manuel Neuer. Um, I also think Gradezky, um has, has been really, really good over many years. Um So those four, I would say, come ahead of Ortega for me. But whatever happens to Arminia Bielefeld, I would not be surprised if we see him in the Bundesliga next season as well, because he's cool. just really put his name out there. Um yeah. Really appreciate him as a goalkeeper for sure.
1: Yes, and so, for sure. And, oh yeah go on, yeah, go go on, Mark. on Mark. <laughs> No no I was just going to say like so where did Frankfurt go from now under Oliver Glasner obviously they finished this, the first half of the season really really well then there were six wins out of the last seven but since we started again uh, 3 weeks ago you know it's kind of gone sour a lot you know they lost at home to Borussia Dortmund then they kind of labored to a draw against Augsburg in a game that they should probably have won then obviously a defeat in this game which is a bit of a humiliation really you know like where do they go from here because i mean frankfurt should be aiming for european places really well what do you think the target should be for the end of the season for frankfurt really
2: yeah i think in my defense uh, sorry in my um mind the primary objective in the short term has to be to stabilize the defense because usually that's actually a strong point that frankfurt has um especially, I mean there was that one glamour season where they had the the Buffalo herd up front, uh, you know, the <laughs> since departed, um mm. absolute like dream trio of mm. um Sebastian Alea, who's now in at Ajax, and um Jovic, who went to Real Madrid, and um Rebic, who who went yeah. to Serie A. Mm-hmm. And uh, but with that exception, you know, it's a, it's typically a team that in the last five years has played the back three and then kind of with wing backs in midfield and Philip Kostic might be their most Mm -hmm. important player both like defensively and offensively and I think one key key issue I've seen is that they don't have his equivalent on the other side so they don't have Mm -hmm. someone of that caliber um on the right hand side who can defend but also drive forward and provide like flanks you know really like have those crosses into the box and it just they just look kind of unsettled right now like they're not a very really well balanced team and their defense you know they have some of the most t- like talented young defenders in in the bundesliga with tuta and andika and yeah. you know it's just up to them it, it's hard i think um, for young players especially defenders sometimes we forget that it's quite uncommon for young center backs to be starters you know it, it's more mm-hmm. it's much more easier for a coach to throw in an attacking midfielder or a winger because they're further up the field but mm-hmm. for someone in like in his late teens or early 20s to be starting games um as a center back is hard for the players but also hard for the coach so i think um i i hope that oliver glasner backs his players and gives them more chances but i think like you said you know they've had a dip in form uh, since since we've returned and to me that has a lot to do with um the compactness at the back
0: yeah, yeah. Good, good stuff. Just before we move on to our third game, I just wanted to ask Marie uh, a quick question on on a player that me and Mark absolutely loved last season, in the shape of Dai- uh, Daiichi Kamada. he just hasn't been his season so far, is it? And I, was watching, I, I watched more so the second half of, of the game live, and and the player, Kamada, didn't look interested, to be honest. Some of his passes looked like they lacked <laughs> care. Uh, for one part, he put his international teammate, Hasibi, into into it uh into problems right at the end of the game with the, the lackluster pass which didn't have enough weighting on it so what do we what do we think to, to his season so far Marie do you think he just he's lost I don't know whether he was interested in a, in a transfer away from the club is now kind of just drifting through or maybe it's just a lot uh kind of a loss of confidence
2: yeah probably a lot of of what you just said um it's a little upsetting to me as well because i'm i'm always a huge proponent of him because he you know when he does turn up he can do things mm. from midfield that very few players can do yeah. uh not just in terms of his technique on the ball but also his vision so i remember he was one of those players that a few years ago when he first joined Frankfurt, always turned up in the Europa League and like would always have like way better assists and goal numbers in the Europa League than in the Bundesliga. And you know, make of that what you will about the player. It it just seems like he's someone that needs a bit of a push and um, is perhaps not really like, like you mentioned Hazeba, which is great because Hazeba is such a leader that Mm -hmm. players rally around and who's gonna turn up no matter what. And Daiji Kamada, he's young, um, you know, he's, he's far into the league and to the country for now. Um, and it just, I think he's not that type of player who's going to, you know, bring his best game when the rest of the team doesn't. And that's a bit concerning because I think on talent alone, based on his debut season, I was like, oh, he will not be in Frankfurt for long. You know, we'll mm-hmm. see him at a better club uh, in Germany or abroad. And now I'm having doubts because mm. you do need that extra. I don't know what you want to call it. If it's an attitude thing or a discipline thing, um, just you know consistency, you know as well. He he's missing some of that. But again, sometimes I watch Frankfurt games just to see what he does. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it it reminds me a little bit of when Amin Arid was at Schalke. He was also that type of player who is so you know someone who you go to the stadium to watch. But also when Schalke was terrible in the last season, he was also terrible, and now he's at Marseille. So he did earn a move to a really, really good team. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that Kamada, you know, has that in his future. But I also hope that he earns it through some more um, performances in the Bundesliga that we all want to see.
1: Yeah, absolutely, couldn't agree more. So, so yeah, let's move on to game three. Yeah, which was obviously a, a bit of a hammering, really, wasn't it? I mean, Leverkusen absolutely destroyed. Augsburg, obviously, Augsburg having a difficult season, but I think pretty much everyone predicted that. You know, I think me and Rory both had them down as second bottom uh, at the end of the season, didn't we? And we got a bit of stick for that, actually. You know, a lot of people were saying, "What, Augsburg second bottom? Give me a break!" You know, but as it's turned out, you know, they've struggled a lot, and despite the big money signing from, of obviously Pepe, they've not really improved since the break. You know, I think they've only taken what one point since the break returns so yeah it's not been a great run of form for them has it but i just want to focus on leverkusen the first you know obviously the man of the match in this game is obviously musa diaby i mean what a performance this was banging in the hat-trick what have you made of him this season uh, marie
2: yeah it's, it's funny that you guys mentioned fantasy um earlier because <laughs> i made the terrible terrible misjudgment of selling him after like oh, six match no. <laughs> days and it's just painful to see like one of my friends because we're in a closed league Uh, We play kick-based, which is like a German fantasy manager, managing game. And it's just so painful to see every every week he's like (laughs) in the top team. Um, So, yeah, poor judgment on my part. He is just an absolute beast, you know. And I think, I don't know where his ceiling is because he, I think his key strength is that he can get past players, um, Mm -hmm. either, you know, with his body. He's very strong for someone so young, with his speed, with his dribbling qualities, one v one, and then he's not a winger that like glues to the wing. You know, he pushes inwards, he shoots, and he's just so so efficient as an attacking player. And it's gonna, it, it's just such an asset for Leverkusen. And I, I'm kind of like, I think Leverkusen are back where they're supposed to be because mm-hmm. at the end of last, um, at the end of the Hinrunde, at the first half of the season. When they were yeah. kind of like they kept dropping i was like what is going on because they have such <laughs> a talented squad and yeah. i i remember i tweeted because i was frustrated with what was happening with them that it's very rare for a team to have such a selection of european top talents at one time and it reminds me of like ajax amsterdam in 2019 2020 you know when they had that champions league run and they had some yeah. of the best talents that were later you know absolutely plucked apart by european elite um or as monaco when they had um limar and mbappe and bernardo silva Great. playing for them at the same time and you know i think we it, it's worth compare like throwing those names out there because you know they have um chic who's still quite yeah. young for a center forward they have diaby they have florian wirtz uh, obviously they're the top 3 um in terms of like brand name but then also like guys like Tapsoba um, you know they just have so much quality and um, it's it, it's horrible to say this at Oxford, but it was like fun just watching them actually deliver for once on that talent I, I really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah I think they've got the most goals at this point that they've ever, ever had under obviously the new management and guidance of Gerard Sioni and um, I think Derek Ray obviously friend, friend of the show and um, tweeted earlier on today that he, he had been the most impressive newcomer, uh, obviously, to the Bundesliga as a head coach. And it's hard to disagree with that fact. Uh, as you uh, quite rightly say, Marie, they're probably back where they should be. Um, I thought one particularly impressive part of their game over the weekend was the involvement of the fullbacks. Um, I think, again, if we're talking fantasy football, our uh, our expert, um, Runa, was saying to, to include uh, Mitchell Backer, He's had a very positive impact at left back uh, for the club. He got uh, the assist for the first goal. I think for better Arby's tap in uh, and Fring Pong set up the Arby's hat trick with a brilliant bit of play from, from his own half pace aggression, wanting to beat players. He did that so, so well. Um, and it, it was just too much uh, for a struggling Augsburg side. So some, some really, in, you know, impressive impacts there. Um, you know, that, that structure of that team just—it just looks set, doesn't it, for future to come? As you mentioned, the defence Tapsober uh, uh Obviously, they're both away at the moment with a, you know, an experienced man of tar. As you already mentioned, the keeper Haradeki, a very experienced man. If they can keep a hold of that team for a little bit longer and, and grow under Sioni, that you know, as you mentioned, ceilings. That you know, where do you think this Leverkusen team could go, Marie, in terms of? Could they mount a title challenge in the next couple of years if this team stayed together big if
2: (laughs) yeah i'm i'm laughing because i I really wish they could but it's also like we have a saying in germany never kusen. um you know like they'll never (laughs) 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 never Mm. be able to pull it off because it's just there was a time in the early part of this century you can now say um like where they just kept coming in second including Mm that season i think it was 2000 actually 2000 where they had michael balak and Mm -hmm. they lost in the champions league final Mm -hmm. came second in the bundesliga and lost in the german cup final all in one season (laughs) so that that like anyone who was around then they're not gonna forget that you know there's a lot of like schadenfreude to go around at leverkusen's expense um it's hard because i think their whole model similar to dortmund in a way is like get the players young, either from their own academy or from abroad. And they've always had an amazing scouting network, especially in South America. Um, Leverkusen is supposedly, like, the best-known German club in Brazil, for example. (laughs) Just because (laughs) they've had, like, Lucio... Um, and then you know Arturo Vidal people forget obviously he's not Brazilian he's from Chile Roberto
1: as well I remember him
2: yes yeah Yeah, yeah. he was was such a Bundesliga legend like (laughs) so many of these players had their start at Leverkusen Uh, or Dani Cabajal now at Real Madrid also had his big breakout Mm. season at Leverkusen and so I think we have to like appreciate them on their terms, which is for that, like sometimes being the place that we see emerging talent for the first time. But I think a big success for them would be to make it back into the Champions League. And I think if they do qualify, maybe even this year, then that would they would have a good chance at retaining the talent because Florian yeah. Wurz, you know, he's already being discussed in the Premier League, but I think he's smart enough. You know, Kai Havertz took a while, Timo Werner mm-hmm. still not settled it's very, very hard to make that jump as a teenager, like when you're that young. And um, I think he appreciates Leverkusen for what it is. So, you know, and even in the case of Schick and Diaby, like if they can stay at Leverkusen and qualify for the Champions League as starters, um, that might give them something to think about as well.
0: Good stuff. Uh, Again, just before we move on to the next part of the show, um, well, obviously, whilst we've got you on, Marie, from the from the U.S. perspective and Augsburg, obviously all the kind of, you know, furore about, uh, you know, Ricardo Pepe, you know, what, what do you know about the player? Uh, I mean, obviously in the short time that he's been at the club, what what have you made of his impact as well?
2: Yeah, so I actually know him a lot more from before he went to Augsburg than these games because he, I I watched a lot of the U.S. national teams games um, last year, now we have to say Mm -hmm. like 2021. Um, in the qualifiers and he was an absolute sensation you know he was an 18 year old starter on the men's like on the senior team and he was one of in a really really good team you know the U.S. now they're starting 11 they all play Champions League pretty much from the front to the back so it's it's really impressive and he was just this guy from the MLS and everyone was (laughs) like who you know who is he and because even in in the U.S. most soccer fans as you know we call it here they follow European, the mm. European sports. Yeah. So they follow Champions League, Premier League, Bundesliga rather than their own league. And he just came out of nowhere. Uh, FC Dallas is one of the best academies in America. It's also where Chris Richards, um, yeah. obviously a Bayern Munich signed player who's now on loan at Hoffenheim, got his start. Weston McKinney got his start at FC mm-hmm. Dallas' academy. So he, he had a good beginning and he just... He knows where the goal is, you know, for the U.S. men's national team. He's, he's someone who will, like, find the most direct path and he can head, you know, he can score of his head, he can score of his left foot, right foot. And I think it's brave to move in the winter to Germany from, like, <laughs> Texas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, hmm. And it. I was surprised that Alexburg got him because to me, he's out of a really talented U.S. generation. He's one of the, like, Truffled, so to speak, like one of the most talented players and financially, the fact that they got him, but also, you know, they're at risk of relegation. We know Mm -hmm. that now, but we also knew that before winter. So I thought it was pretty wild that he went there. Mm -hmm. Um, I looked into it. It has something to do with the fact that a U.S. investment firm put a lot of money into Augsburg last summer. So I think that was the only thing that even put Pepe on their radar and vice versa, um i can see like a little bit of intros happening there um it's i'm not sure he's very happy right now because you know his team's not doing well i'm not yeah. sure he wants to go to the second bundesliga um and the weather is pretty bad but <laughs> <laughs> he he hasn't he hasn't done well like let's be honest he hasn't done mm-hmm. well in his first few games um but he's getting chances and he got some shots on goal um and it's just, I think maybe despite the fact that I'm here like hyping him up, I guess we have to be patient because he, because of his oh. age and it's just a different pace, a different league. He needs to like, you know, get to know his own teammates first and, and all of that. So maybe even a matter of like half a season or a season for him to settle in, but it would be really good for him to score. You know, I think if he finds the back of the net in the next few months, um, that would do a lot of good for everyone.
0: Absolutely. Good stuff. Um, So we'll just have a a quick break from um, our our countdown and and reintroduce a a little segment that we've just started the last few shows. And it is time again for our Bundesliga Glossary A to Z. So um, obviously, Marie, you're the first guest that's ever had the privilege of being on the show whilst this is (laughs) happening, So lucky you. Um, So we're on to Let Us See. Um, So for all of you that have not seen any of these segments before, we just basically... Running through A to Z of uh, obviously the, the alphabet with regards to some Bundesliga terms that are that are thrown out there and I'm kind of trying to translate them uh, with the use of Mark's excellent vocabulary. Um, no, I so, don't know about that. <laughs> <so> Let us <laughs> see. Didn't have we didn't have as many choices this week, so I think there's an easier one for me to kind of pick out. Uh, so it's not more of a phrase is just kind of a, a title really so it's the the kammstatter curve uh which is the name given to the main stand at stuttgart's uh, mercedes-benz arena um obviously i mean there's not much i can really take from that mark in terms of the actual literal definition other than the second word being curve which i presume yeah. is quite a literal translation yeah. again um any any additions to that
1: yeah, I think it's pretty typical really the uh, obviously in the Bundesliga in German stadiums in general that like curve is used as like the kind of one of the stands, basically. A bit like in England we say like the north stand or the south stand. It's basically the same because obviously like they kind of curve around, basically. Mm-hmm. Like obviously I know my club, my beloved club, FC Nuremberg, we call it the Nord Curve. Yeah so it's uh literally just a north like curve basically you mm-hmm. know but yeah that's where the diehards the ultras go because obviously in Germany they have that kind of ultra culture you know which we don't really have in England so much but it's, um, it's really good, you know, I mean, I'm sure Marie had kind of backed me up on that, like the ultras really kind of helped to create a brilliant atmosphere at the games, you know, the diehards, like the members, a lot of the ultras are also members of the clubs as well, you know, so I think Marie, yeah, I think you can tell us a bit more about that, about the uh, the culture in Germany and the kind of ultras and the Kurd uh, culture and things, Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah I think you did a really good job explaining that and the meaning wow, behind thanks. the word um, I think yeah. what what people was perhaps like really important or an important distinction is that we still have standing grounds in Germany yeah and they're typically in that quiver like in that section it's the standing fans and uh, what that means is that they're the cheapest tickets, um, mm. but also like the wildest fans because yeah, not many people want to, for example, right now want to stand at minus five degrees um, <laughs> for like ninety plus minutes and, <laughs> and <laughs> cheer. And and another thing that's unique, I think, I'd say about German fan culture, as dictated by the ultras, is that whenever you see like tifosi, you know, like any yeah. kind of big thing in the whole stadium, it's mainly like planned by the fans in that section mm. not the club so it's and actually there was a big uproar a few years back when in the Champions League Bayern Munich the club itself planned something and the fans were like what are you doing this is our thing
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and you know it's, it's a weird thing for like I, I think to explain to people abroad because you'd think like that would be really cool that the the, the club would contribute that but it's the fans they fundraise among themselves, and some of these kind of stadium-wide things. You know, it costs like ten thousands uh, euros and more to even print all those materials. If you think like yeah. you have between thirty-five and seventy thousand seats, hmm. uh, just think about all the materials that have to be circulated, and and that's usually the ultras that do all of that. So they really have a lot of say in kind of game day atmosphere.
0: Well, they, they certainly need to up the atmosphere. Well, they can't really, I guess. It's still bad at the moment. But, yeah, it's not an awful lot going uh, well, unfortunately, for my boys right now. Um, but anyway, let, let's mm. move on. So that was, that was the letter C. Um, so it's the, the uh to try and get my pronunciation a bit better, which I really must start to do. Um, I haven't had any time really to start learning German. Yet. Like, I guess it was my New Year's resolution, and we're already we're getting close to February so I must start soon. Uh, right, shall, shall we carry on with the countdown and move on to uh, game number two?
1: Yeah, who knows, Rory? We might end up in the cannstatter like, come, um, like, maybe... Uh, we, we've already planned for Rory to come over to Germany to come and get a few games in as well, so you never know. Obviously, Rory is a Stuttgart fan as well, so perhaps he will end up, uh, yeah. you know, we'll end up in the cannstatter and we can do a vlog or something like that. from you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, let's move on to game two. I mean, this was a really, really entertaining Saturday evening clash, wasn't it? I mean, it's another one that, you know, we always say with the Bundesliga, like sometimes the games that are not the best on paper turn out to be the best in reality, you know. I mean, this was another one really. I think a lot of people would have looked at this Saturday evening game and thought, you know, I'd rather go to the pub or something like that than watch this game. But yeah, it turned out to be a really, really entertaining clash, to be honest. I mean, early on, Balkan were just killing Curl, weren't they? They were literally killing them in the early stages. And obviously they did get the lead in the end through the the Messi as they call him. Uh, Gerrit holtzman Yeah, he he kind of put the ball past Schweber in the uh, curled net. But then, yeah, I mean, the equaliser was just a really, really clumsy goal, really, wasn't it, to concede from Bolcom? I mean, we were obviously used to really, really good defence and goalkeeping from the Boalcombe side, but I mean, this was a really poor goal to concede, wasn't it, the equaliser there, Marie? Yeah, it's
2: just... That was just really clumsy and yeah. um, just... Kind of typical mistake for Bochum, who I think, to the surprise of many me included, actually really have a team that likes to play football this season and likes attacking, and they have some really you know some players, especially in midfield who really know um how to like take care of business <laughs> um, yeah. but they can just be you know clumsy and it 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 looks kind of like a begin- beginner's mistake a lot of the time when they just found open at the back and I remember early on in the season, they got absolutely slammed by Bayern Munich. <sighs> and I think it was some ridiculous scoreline. I don't even remember. I don't want to get it wrong, but it was like seven or eight goals. Yeah, and it was sad because at the beginning, they started really bravely, you know, yeah. and everyone forgets yeah. that because it was, you know, in the end, it was like seven minutes of glory. <laughs> mm. But that that's their attitude. You know, they like to to play football or at least try. And um, I think that happened against Kern. Um, like you just said. Um, that was a really good example of that again.
0: Yeah, they would have been very disappointed to have gone in at the break 2-1 down, though, after um, obviously a, a messy equaliser, but uh, there's no doubt about the quality of the second goal. Um, that man, Anthony Modest, proving that it's not just his head. That is useful, a lovely finish of the second goal after being set up by uh, Florian Kind, I think it was, with a through ball, lobbing it over um, Ryman and Net um, to make it two-one. Uh, obviously, Balkan would have been naturally disappointed um, about obviously going in two-one down. But you know, they came out again in the second half. Uh, Holtman, Lowen, and uh, even Bella Kotchop I think, all had chances. Uh, I think he might uh, Belikotchov even had um, his shot off or top of the bar. Um, but then again, uh, the equaliser ended up being a bit of an uncharacteristic goal from a Köln point of view, because it's just a, a long throwing in, which kind of makes you think that because Cologne is such a, a team that, you know, this season, you know, whipped in crosses loads and, you know, they'd be on onto that sort of thing and be savvy a bit more about conceding from a long throw in. Marie, were you a bit shocked by the the way that they conceded for uh, Asano's uh, first goal in the Bundesliga?
2: Yeah, I, I I would say nothing can shock me at this point. <laughs> um, but this was this was an entertaining. This I think this was the kind of game which we love to watch and coaches hate, right? Because there are so many mistakes that led to key moments, mm-hmm. and uh, that that's an, another case in point. You know, this is the kind of game which like Jurgen Klopp would love, but Guardiola would hate, so to speak.
0: <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um... I suppose both teams would be quite happy with the point. Bolcom seem like they're already maybe preparing for life next season in the Bundesliga. might be a brave thing to say because we still got, what, 13, 14 games to go uh, this season. But they look like such a, an accomplished outfit um, you know, really well organised. And I think that was the first time or uh, only the second time that they conceded two goals at home so far this season. So, you know, they keep a a tight ship unlike obviously their their fellow newcomers to a slightly different approach obviously to the game and um, so good point for both teams and um i think they can probably be satisfied with their work a very entertaining saturday night game overall
1: yeah, for sure. Just a few comments coming in as well. Paul McGarry says, "Huge win for Bielefeld." By the way, looks like I'll have to get one of the shirts after all. Yeah, I think he said last week that if Bielefeld win one of the next two games, that he's going to buy a shirt. You know, I think Paul's been a secret Bielefeld fan for a long time now. So come on, Paul, you got to. It's your birthday today as well, so you got to buy a shirt. Yeah, <laughs> happy birthday, by the way, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, also, yeah, we got um, Gary Jones saying, I would also say it's a big point for Bochum this weekend as well, yeah. I personally would say Bochum have got too much to get relegated, as I said in the comments. I think they've just been they've been really, really good this season after the first five or six games when they kind of struggled to get the right balance between defence and attack. For me, I think they've got far too much. There's definitely worse sides in the league than them. I think they'll be fine. They'll be somewhere around 11th, 12th, 13th kind of position, I would imagine, Bochum this year. Yeah. Also, Dan Green as well, another one. I think a, a lot of British people are really big fans of Bielefeld, actually, obviously, because yeah, of the yeah. historical connection to Bielefeld as well. You know, Dan Green says, yeah, big win for Bielefeld indeed. Can they stay up? This surely gives them hope. Can they stay up, Marie, do you think? Um. Yeah, I
2: mean, <laughs> like, you know, there are a few teams that are in the same position that are kind of struggling and trying to punch above their weight, Augsburg included. We spoke about Augsburg. And I would say on paper, Augsburg probably has a slightly more talented squad than a team like Bielefeld, but Augsburg can't score. You know, they really struggle in Mm -hmm. front of goal, and Bielefeld is better in that regard. So I think a lot of this will come down to the games where these teams play each other, their direct rivals. And that's why I agree with your viewers that, like, despite what happened in the game, for Bochum, it was a huge point to win against Cologne um, against a bigger a, a bigger club um, that is higher position in the table, but still not completely safe either. You know, they're yeah. kind of in the same region. And um, yeah, because I think those will be the big points and we call them like the six point matches, you know, like Maybe. if you win against your direct rival. Yeah. So I think a lot of it will come down to to that
1: yeah absolutely I couldn't agree more yeah so let's go on to the game of the weekend I think it's a pretty clear one this weekend really it was an absolute classic really between Hoffenheim and Dortmund I told pretty much everyone that I know to stick on over 4.5 goals in this one you know and it it came in Mm -hmm. as well so yeah I was a lot of happy people this weekend that I know yeah but I mean what a game it was not to be honest five goals was the minimum this this game deserved really wasn't it I mean it could have been 6-6 to be honest this one (laughs) for me Hoffenheim were really really unlucky to win especially in the first half I thought they were by far the better side to be honest I think Jorginho Ruta hit the post twice brilliant equalizer from Crammerich as well I thought that was a beautiful go with the baby, a Bebu long cross and then the kind of volley from uh, Crammerich Marie do you think Hoffenheim are a bit unlucky to lose this game or do you think Dortmund were the better side
2: no I agree and I, I for the longest time I did not think they would lose this game you know I, I thought yeah. pretty much until the very end They're about to score. They're about to score. (laughs) (laughs) And it just didn't happen. And um, I think it's good for the title contention, you know, that at least there's a, you know, somewhat theoretical chance that Dortmund could endanger Bayern again. Um, But these two are just usually a dream pairing. I, I can't remember a time in the last few years where this was not a good game. And very often Hoffenheim upset Dortmund. And I think just something worth saying about Hoffenheim that I think goes under the radar a bit, they've extended the contracts of most of their key players in the last few months. Um, so even someone like Jorginho Ritter, who's been a breakout player this, this season and is very young, he's extended, I think, till 2026. Uh, David Raum, German national team player, has extended. Um, you know, they just, they're really well positioned. Um, Bibu extended, who's also been really efficient in the last few games. Yeah. And it's not a coincidence that they're so high up and i think it's also they deserve it a little bit because they held on to Hunas, their young coach after Mm -hmm. a disappointing first season but they really put a lot of trust in him they pulled him up from like the amateur ranks or like at least the you know lower divisions and of youth and um lower division football and it just i feel like they they've earned their karma so to speak and (laughs) even in this game i think they'll of course it will have hurt on the night but they'll they can come you know they can walk out upright um standing upright from this this match and i think something that i did want to mention that stuck out to me at hoffenheim is um is geiger um you know they he's kind of really like their key man in midfield and so dennis geiger he's he's still i think he's 23 or something he's really young he's had some terrible terrible injuries But I definitely think he's a player to watch um, because he's a really intelligent player.
0: Yeah, he's been really impressive so far this season. I've uh, enjoyed watching him Um, and Hoffenheim do look really set, but they'll be amazed to think how over the course of 180 minutes against Dortmund that they weren't able to get at least one point from from a possible six because the reverse fixture was... Oh well, it was still three. of the three two, wasn't it? Of course, it was. But um, mm-hmm. they played so well, so aggressively. Um, uh, I thought they were really, really unlucky. Um, from from the Dortmund perspective, then Marie, obviously, they you know they they're kind of producing these results and keeping, as we said, a, a theoretical title race on on the go. What what do we think? I mean, me and Mark will wax lyrical about the things that we think Dortmund need to progress. So what are your kind of thoughts on what Dortmund need to do to make that next step? Um, like, well, kind of foregoing the things about Haaland and whether he will or won't be at the club, in you know, next season.
2: Yeah, I, I read today that he had um, some mu- muscle issues with training, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Because of course, he did miss some games um, this season already, and I think. A lot depends on Daniel Malin. He was a really expensive signing. He's young. Mm-hmm. He scored 27 um, goals in for PSV Eindhoven last year. And he hasn't really delivered on his promise yet. And I think you know, he did really well in this match against Hoffenheim. Yeah. He really turned up. And I think some eyes will be on him um, moving forward. I also I think they have another asset mm-hmm. kind of tucked away. And that's Gio Reyna who's been injured for a long, long time. Um, he's really done well for Dortmund. Whenever he's been fit, he's been a starter. He's been a contributor of goals, uh, a threat. And if and when he comes back, hopefully after the international break, um, that could help Dortmund a lot. I just, it, it's just, they're like always, this, there's always some, that's something unfulfilled promise vibes you get from Dortmund and it, it just seems like something's missing, maybe another leader on, on the pitch. Um, I can't quite put my fingers on it, but I think the fact that Jude Bellingham at 18 is in a leadership position, it's great for Bellingham. It's it's not good for Dortmund that someone like that no. is already a standout player um, in the dressing room and on the pitch because there's there's just a lack of of leadership among such a young team, I think. And Matt Homitz you know, he's really had weak points. His speed has keeps getting worse from season to season. We saw that against Bayern Munich. And I, I don't yeah. think he can be that player anymore. Uh, McElroy is, of course, that type of player, but he's not really, like, a loud player. Um, mm. So it, it, there just seems sometimes, I think, like the hierarchy of the team, I see some issues there in terms of leadership. Uh, but, you know, you know, sometimes when you're on point, when the players get really angry and and sometimes journalists in Germany they do like to pick on this and say okay do you lack leaders or something and then the players always get really mad so uh well it's up to them to show that they can function in this way
1: Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So I think that brings uh, an end to our featured four. Yeah. So obviously, uh, we, we're going to move strictly on to our uh, talking point of the week as well. So obviously, we we bring in, a we'll go through it very quickly this week because obviously, like, uh, I think well, it's, uh, yeah, we've already kind of run on quite a bit this week, but let's mo- swiftly move into it. So yeah. Today's uh, talking point is: Can Union Berlin break into the Champions League? So obviously, the background to this point. I mean, obviously, Union sitting in fourth place in the league at the moment. What a what a season they're having, really. You know, obviously beating Gladbach away from home, they threw into the last eight of the the cup as well. You know, I mean, what a season they're having. So yeah, I'll throw it straight over to you, Marie. Do you think Union can break into the Champions League this year?
2: No, <laughs>
1: oh, but uh,
2: it's it, it's kind of like my first instinct is to say no because it's very rare in the Bundesliga that a, an absolute outsider will like qualify for the Champions League. We've seen them qualify for the Europa League, but Champions League is just somehow over thirty four match days. Things even out at the end, um, but then again, you know Freiburg was up there, and they still kind of are, um, and it's it's just. A lot of the giants are struggling this year. Leipzig is struggling. Uh, Gladbach is struggling, struggling massively. So who knows? But I, I think by the season's end, um, I, I mean, I, I really wish they could, because just imagine the atmosphere and what that would mean <laughs> to the fans, um, especially in non-pandemic times, if we ever reach those. But I think maybe Leipzig will pull their stuff together, or. If I think even Hoffenheim, you know, on balance has a bit more quality to maybe um, edge past Union and Freiburg in the long term.
0: Yeah, I think they, with the calibre of teams that they've got chasing them, I think it will be, it will be difficult for them to not to kind of be, again, slightly more negative. But I think certainly uh, a highest ever finish in the Bundesliga is achievable. So obviously last season was seventh, best they've ever done. Are they capable of beating that this season? I think so. The sixth, you know, sixth and above, is, I think is achievable. They've got a nice little run of fixtures. Uh, aside from playing Dortmund in two games, time the run of fixtures they've got are you know all very winnable. They've taken points from the last three games against you know teams that should be around them. Um, and I think they end the season with two home games back to back against Borkum and VfB. So if it's close mm-hmm. with a few games to go, like you know, that's presentable in itself. Obviously Balkham have represented themselves really well in foot have improved, but still if you were to ask for a couple of games to finish if you needed six from nine points. It's you know it could be doable. Um you know, I think that they've been a really impressive outfit all season long. The partnership of of Max Cruiser, our one year, uh, our one year sixth top goal scorer in the Bundesliga and he's been away uh, at the Africa Cup of Nations but he'll be back of course soon. Uh, it's been really impressive and they've been ably backed up by a lot of other parts of the team where Cruiser or Iwani weren't able to produce Um, you know the likes of Behrends and Geraldo Becker have backed them up really well they did well in particularly in the Europa Conference League uh, coming off the bench and making impacts that way and their latest summer signing is now starting to look really comfortable with the club as well in the shape of Volk summer, who I thought was a really good purchase off of Bielefeld as well so there's certainly arguments either way around. So if we were to uh, be horrible and put you on the spot, Marie, where where are you going to place Unión at the end of the season?
2: I think sixth. I think um, it, I think they'll quarrel for with Freiburg for that Europa League spot, and um, you know maybe we'll get both of them in the Europa League. But I think I, I, I put them in sixth place for me, and you know that means they're in the top third of the Bundesliga which is a huge
0: achievement Hmm. absolutely agreed well well, what do you reckon Mark if we're going to put you on the spot then so you've been asking the questions do you reckon they'll come top four or slightly below that
1: yeah, I'm actually going to go with fourth. Yeah, I've just got a feeling for Uni on this year. I just think like the way they played without Awani our as well. I mean, he was like the target man. But if you look at the last three games, you know they got a really good point at Leverkusen when they could have won that game. I think they were leading until like 84, 85 minutes. Then they beat Hoffenheim, who were another top four rival, and then they've just gone and won away at Gladbach. And in between that, you know, they beat uh, city rivals Herter as well away from home. So I just think there's just something brewing in the east side of Berlin. I just think, you know, they're going to do it for me. Yeah, I just think there's, there's quality in that side, as you say, as well. You know, Max Kruser is a brilliant leader. You know, they've got players to come in. Summer has been really, really good. You know, they've got quality like Trimmel. like There's so many good players in that squad. And I just think, I've just got a feeling that they're going to do it this year ahead of Leipzig, which would be great, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah okay so that pretty much uh, brings to an end uh, our show today yeah so yeah let's just kind of sum up what uh, we've talked about yeah so obviously if you enjoyed what you saw today on the show then check out our twitter following which is at over the bar epi and at over the bar extra so as we always say we do everything football related you know it's not only uh uh, videos as well. We also do League 1 and League 2 shows too, but also written articles on just about everything football related. we got La Liga articles. we got Bundesliga articles and just about even Scottish football, French football, just about everything really, you know. So, yeah, check that out. Uh, also remember to check out our main website as well, Yeah, which is otbfootball.net. So this is like the kind of centrepiece of our work with Over the Bar. So, yeah, you can see links to our YouTube channels. You can see, um, yeah, links to it, uh, direct links to the articles and just about everything, really. And, yeah, of course, if you enjoyed our show individually, uh, yeah, remember to like, comment, and subscribe because that obviously helps us with the old algorithm, as we always say. <laughs> yeah, but uh, remember to do that. Yeah, also, the comments are also important. You know, we want to interact with you guys as much as possible. It was good to see some comments as well on the show this week. So, yeah keep commenting and yeah we'll get back to you within a day or so with what we think about your views and thanks a lot obviously to marie as well it was fantastic to have you on the show today your views were brilliant as well i hope everything's going fine over in new york as well
0: yes, <laughs> yeah thanks marie brilliant to have you on the show um just a reminder everyone to, to go follow marie on twitter Um, uh, Marie's Bundesliga Minutes is at Marie Minutes, both capital M's and Marie uh, your personal account if if you want it to be thrown out there if you want some more followers um, is obviously at uh, (laughs) uh, Marie Schumann so yeah, brilliant to have you on Marie, really enjoyed it hope you had a good time and and we look forward to having you on maybe at the end of the season to review a few more bits
2: Excellent, yeah, thanks for having me on
0: brilliant
1: stuff okay so we'll see you again on thursday for our prediction show ahead of week uh 21 now yeah so ciao
0: see you then <laughs>